Hello and welcome back to this podcast series. We are going to continue with the what's the point of different bits of pharmacy podcasts in a bit. Next up, what's the point of medicines management nurses and maybe medical gases committees if we can find an expert. Bet you can't wait. However, whilst we wait for these, I thought we'd maybe go back into our comfort zone and talk about critical appraisal again and specifically the hierarchy of evidence that triangular pyramidy thing with systematic reviews and meta-analyses at the top and guessing down at the bottom. We'll talk about how it's useful but not perfect, how it can be misinterpreted and how it should be used in reality. If you wanted to keep the title in the theme of what we've done before, what's the point of the hierarchy of evidence triangle thingy? Let's go. So first off, what is the hierarchy of evidence triangle thingy and how is it often interpreted? So the hierarchy of evidence triangle thingy is a way of categorising the types of evidence that you might see, or rather the types of studies that you might see, and putting it into a hierarchy. So you can say that evidence from one type of study is better or more reliable than evidence from another type. So in the traditional pyramid, at the bottom, and so considered the least reliable, are case reports and case series. So we did something to a person or a series of people, and this happened. Isn't this interesting? Just above this are case control studies, so we noticed these people had this outcome and these people didn't. I wonder why this might be. Next up in the triangle are cohort studies, so following groups of people with similar exposures through time to see if they have a particular outcome. And then at the peak of the individual studies hierarchy are trials, the best of which are randomised control trials which we all know about which is all a barrage of information, and if you need to revisit it, Google is your friend. But to try and contrast the different types of studies in this podcast, and do it in a sticky way that might be more memorable, it's possibly better to use an example. For example, does smoking cause lung cancer? So if we were looking at whether smoking causes lung cancer, the case report would be, I saw this person who smoked who developed lung cancer. The case control study would be, I saw all these people with lung cancer, and X percent of them smoked, compared to this group of people who didn't have lung cancer, and Y percent of them smoked. The cohort study would be, I found this group of smokers, and X percent went on to develop lung cancer, compared to this group of non-smokers, where Y percent went on to develop lung cancer. And the randomised controlled trial would be, I got this group of people who were all the same, and made half of them take up smoking, then measured the amount of lung cancer in each group. So that's the studies section of the hierarchy. But sitting above the studies in the hierarchy are agglomerations of individual studies, so meta-analyses and systematic reviews. So as we all know, meta-analyses clag together trials doing stats magic, and systematic reviews look at the evidence base as a whole and pull things together. So that's the traditional hierarchy, working up from case reports through randomised controlled trials to systematic reviews. So where does expert opinion sit? Well, some people put it down at the bottom, underneath case studies. But for me, this feels wrong and a bit Michael Govey expert bashing. Expert opinion isn't really an evidence type in the same way that the other things are, because expert opinion is based on the interpretation of all the evidence that they're aware of. And yes, they may mix it up with their own personal experiences and potentially prejudices, but they are still experts and are probably best placed to do this synthesis of the information. So expert opinion for me should probably sit off to the side. Its place in the hierarchy depends on what evidence the opinion is based on and how expert your expert is. So where does all this leave us? 
Well, it leaves us looking at the sort of evidence that we have and then being able to rank how much we like it compared to other bits of evidence, which sounds like a good thing, which obviously means we're missing something, as nothing is that simple. And the thing that we're missing is that the pyramid is based on everything being the exemplar of their type. It's the ceiling level of quality. So the best conducted, most relevant randomised control trial will be better evidence than the best conducted, most relevant cohort study. But that's not what we usually have. We might have a systematic review, but it might not be tightly linked to our research question. We then might have a reasonably linked but poorly conducted randomised control trial, and then a really extensive case series in exactly our patient cohort. So which is the better evidence now? It's difficult to say. And that's where you need those pesky experts, both those in interpreting the evidence base and those in the clinical area, to put a narrative together to explain the strengths and weaknesses of the evidence base and express where the uncertainties lie. Which is one of the most important things that sometimes gets forgotten in evidence-based medicine, or evidence-based anything. Which is that everything is associated with a level of uncertainty, as the evidence base is always subject to the limitations of current knowledge. Much like Plato's prisoners in the cave looking at the shadows from the fire cast on the wall, the evidence that we have is what we have to interpret what's happening in reality, but it's not always a perfect image and is subject to change. Or to change metaphors, the evidence base isn't the landscape you're trying to navigate, it's a map of the landscape and it may be more or less reliable depending on what it's based on and who drew it. You might, if you're lucky, have the equivalent of an Ordnance Survey 1-25,000 to Explorer series map. Or you might, if you're unlucky, have the equivalent of Matthew Paris's 1250-ish map of Britain, which, though awesome in its own right, is only a rough approximation of the actual geography of Britain, and not that helpful unless you're travelling from Dover to Newcastle in the 13th century, which seems unlikely. So all this means that we don't have cast-iron certainty in pretty much anything that we do because of the way that science works. But it's important not to overstate the weakness of the evidence and turn into a climate change denier, because much more is at the ordnance survey end of the spectrum. No, we're not certain, but we're pretty damn close to it for a lot of things. And where we're less certain, following the evidence base is still the best route forward. So, something like giving a statin to prevent further heart attacks is the equivalent of going up Skidor with Ordnance Survey Outdoor Leisure Sheet 4. You're pretty much nailed on certain of the right way to go, as long as you can read a map. A little further down the certainty scale, giving probiotics to neonates to prevent necrotizing enterocolitis, for example, is a bit like following Matthew Paris's map to Newcastle. The overall direction, give probiotics, is clear. But some of the fine detail, like which probiotic is best, which patient groups would benefit most, still needs to be filled in. But you should still set off on the journey, as the map is good enough for you to make a start, even if you don't know everything. And then there is the rare occasion, like if someone wants to use homeopathy, where it's more like following J.I.R. Tolkien's map of Middle-earth from the Shire to Mordor. It looks pretty and is full of rich detail, but it's all actually just based on fantasy and a vivid imagination. And even if it was real, which it isn't, it would only get you to somewhere you don't want to go. By all means read it, but for entertainment only. Don't go following the road less travelled, as it's less travelled for a reason. The reason being, it's imaginary. So that's probably where we wanted to get to. To summarise, the hierarchy of evidence is a useful tool, but don't get too hung up on it. 
The hierarchy only really applies to the perfect example of each type of evidence, so the best randomised controlled trial is better evidence than the best cohort study, but a shonky randomised controlled trial may not trump a decent case series every single time. Expert opinion should, in my opinion, sit off to the side, as it isn't evidence in itself, but is instead informed by the evidence base. And experts are called experts for a reason, so it's sensible to listen to what they have to say. Though they could be wrong, and what they say shouldn't be taken as the truth without question, they are probably less wrong than your non-expert who's just guessing. And finally, it's important to be able to express the certainty or uncertainty that you have that the evidence base in a particular area accurately reflects reality. The evidence base is a map of what we currently think is going on, rather than the actual landscape, and some maps are better than others. Thank you, and see you next time.